Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Starring Walter Pearson in Remember Day, a story of a famous answer by Abraham Lincoln on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. First, here is Gaines Whitman. Today, it's especially smart to take good care of your clothes. One way you can do that is by having them cleaned regularly. This is another way that DuPont Chemistry stands ready to help you. Choose a dry cleaner who uses DuPont fluids Pert Clean and Tri-Clean, because these fluids are especially compounded for expert cleaning. Your clothes will be cleaner because they are thorough. More pleasant to wear because DuPont fluids leave no odor. Because DuPont fluids don't leave any oily film to catch dust or dirt. Make sure your dry cleaner uses DuPont cleaning fluids. They are among DuPont's better things for better living through chemistry. Company presents Remembered Day, starring Walter Pigeon as Abraham Lincoln on the Cavalcade of America. For two days now, hundreds of strangers have been coming into a Pennsylvania town. And much of the coming and going centers around the great house and the square. Now it is Wednesday, November 18th. The last of many messengers has come and gone. And the house stands expectant in the afternoon sun. But along the street on which the house stands, many of the strangers keep passing. Say, lad, uh, just a moment. Yes, mister? Are you a senator or something? <laughs> no, just a reporter for the New York Herald. Oh, well, this is the house, all right. This is where he's going to stay the night. Judge Wilson. I hadn't finished my question. Jamie Wills is my friend. We go to school again. Well, you give a great deal of information. There's some more, too. A captain's staying there. A stranger. Confederate captain he is, too. He's wounded and he can't see. Well, you don't say. Lizzie takes care of him. Lizzie's is Jamie Wills' sister. She likes him a lot. And, uh, would that be Elizabeth playing the piano? Sure. But I'm not allowed to talk to strangers. Goodbye, mister. <laughs> Please come here. Oh, yes, Daniel. Where are you? Right beside you. Well, give me a hand. Elizabeth, there's much I've been wanting to say, but I... Well, I'm a guest in this house. Oh, but you're so welcome here, Daniel. I know. You took me out of that hospital tent, brought me here when the weather began turning cold. And that was kind. We didn't single you out because of pity. All the men were moved out of the hospital tents in the houses here in town... Your man as well as ours. But we are more than strangers here. Enemies. Has anyone made you feel that? Oh, no, I'd almost forgotten. Until today? Because he is coming to this house? Yes. Before the sun goes down, he'll be here. But, Daniel, please try to understand. You're so eager about his coming that it glows in your voice. But I'm not. And I don't want to pretend. I understand. And yet... Somehow it's so right. To me, so very right. 
that both of you should be in this house. Why? Tell me why. It's just a feeling I have. Oh, I wish I could explain it to you, share it with you, but I can't. The sun is shining, the wind is dropped. Tomorrow will be fair. The fields are warm with the flame of Indian summer. This is to be a day I shall long remember. Shortly before noon of this day, Wednesday, the 18th of November, a special four-car train, marked with flags and bunting, leaves Washington, D.C., and heads north and east. On board are newspaper men, three cabinet ministers, ministers and attaches of foreign governments, two presidential secretaries, and the one man for whom the train is being run. approaches its next stop after Baltimore, a group of men in a forward car sit telling stories. <laughs> very good, General. Very good indeed. Have you heard that one, Mr. President? Well, never this. Reminds me of our friend General Fry. All morning he kept fretting and worrying that I'd missed the train. Made me feel like that fellow back in Illinois who was going to be hung. As he came down the road on the way to the gallows, the crowd kept pushing and blocking his passage. Finally, the poor man called out, Boys, you needn't be in such a hurry to get ahead. There won't be any fun till I get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, this is all very pleasant, but I must go to my car. Yes, no, 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 please keep your seat. No. Can I do anything, sir? No, I don't think so, Mr. Nicolay. The people will expect me to say something tomorrow, and I must give the matter some thought. If uh, I should need you, Mr. Nicolay, I'll call. Yes, sir. Perhaps you should close the door, Mr. Nicolay. I'd better leave it open in case he does call. Hmm. Yeah. Despite his good humor, he's worried. Chickamauga crushed his hope for a near end to the war. That's right, Mr. Seward. Until the last minute, he debated about leaving Washington, even for a day. Dad's a very sick boy. Doctors have tried to be cheerful about it. But... Oh, the shock of Woolley's death last year is still with him. One son gone, Dad is now his whole life. Stanton promised to telegraph any news. Oh, I hope it comes soon. The speech for tomorrow. Has he finished? No. Hardly forgot. Nothing beyond the few lines he set down at the White House. But the presence has been living through every minute. There's something he sees. I've watched him. He has listened to her, but always it's as if he's listening and looking for something beyond the man speaking and the room in which he speaks. As if he's trying to make out a voice. A sign, a word. What is he looking for? Oh, Lord, thou hast persuaded me. I was convinced. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks you. For when I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil. Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach. Oh, I wanted to gather our things, Mr. President. We arrive within a half hour. 
Have all arrangements for the night been made? You and I are to stay at Judge Will's home. Mm-hmm. He's Governor Curtin's special representative. Undoubtedly, many sharp noses will smell this out as a deep bit of politics, huh? <laughs> uh, how about Stuart? He's to stay with a family called Harper. Mm-hmm. He'll be close by us. The others are all provided for, too. In accordance with each man's view of his position, I trust. Hmm, let us hope for the best. <laughs> and the beyond for the worst. <laughs> Ah, this is rich and lovely country we're passing through. Yes, Mr. Nicolay, I've noticed. Especially these hills. They raise themselves before you, and there's no question in them. No doubt. Just a fixed purpose. Oh, Still no word from Stanton? Not yet, Mr. President. Mm. But we'll undoubtedly hear from him before the day is out. Shall I uh, bring in the newspapers? Oh, I've seen them. The story is the same in all. Grant and Sherman expecting trouble at Chattanooga, Burnside expecting trouble at Knoxville, me doing likewise on the Rapidan. But it's strange how being on this train makes me feel cut off from everything. Uh, the speech, Mr. President, is there anything I can do? No, thank you. Not much I can do either. Uh, I will have to wait for later tonight. No secret that Congressman Stevens is the big power in the party disapproves of your making the speech tomorrow. I'm afraid that's so. When he heard I was going to the dedication and that Stanton and Chase were staying in Washington, he said it was the way it should be. Let the dead go bury the dead. Stevens is no fool. He may be right. Late that November afternoon... The train pulled into the Pennsylvania town. Now the sun has gone down. The town is silent. Within an hour or so, the townspeople and strangers and serenading bands will crowd into the streets and lanes in the town square. But now is the time for supper. In the east, the moon hangs low and full, blood red. Fine, but uh, right now, Tad's a very sick boy. I'm sorry to hear about that. 
We are all sorry, Daisy. And we all hope that Tad will soon be well again. You're very kind, ma'am. Mr. President, I wonder if you've noticed that... Daniel, good heavens, he must have fallen. Well, please excuse me. I, I'd better go up and see. Elizabeth, I'll go. Elizabeth, I'm sorry, Daisy. Elizabeth. Please sit down, Miss Elizabeth. Thank you, sir. How uh, is the young man? Well, not hurt a bit. He tripped over a stove and fell against the was wounded in the fighting here? On Cemetery Hill, and there's a dedication being held tomorrow. Uh, he was shot through the shoulder and blinded by a blow on the head. I first saw him in a tenant hospital out here along the York Turnpike. Oh, sir, he's not one of our men. Uh, yes, your father has told me. I read to him, wrote letters for him. When the cold set in, he brought him here. Most all the homes in town are taking the wounded. There's now his life. Thank God the people of this country are not completely lost in enmity and hatred. Well, will your uh, young man see again? Oh, yes, sir, in time. Little by little, the shock's wearing off. But... But there's a deeper shock, famous little. A great bitterness. I wanted him to come down to supper, but he wouldn't. I'm sorry, Mr. President. I understand. I guess I'm the living symbol of the thing he enlisted to fight. When he first came here, his bitterness was toward you. And now? The bitterness is not so sharp against any person or person, but it's turning more and more against the war. Then you've done much for him. As much as I could, but now he wants to go back to his home. Yeah, I would go with him, but... But what, Miss Elizabeth? Well, he'd never ask. I'll uh, write a safe conduct pass for him through our line. Oh, thank you, Mr. President. May I tell him? Miss Elizabeth, I'd hold it a great kindness if you could bring that young man to me. I'd, I'd like to speak to him. Well, I, I'll try, Mr. President. And uh, please say nothing to him about the past. No, sir. In any case, I'll, I'll leave it for him before I go back to Washington. If you'll come, when may I bring him? Oh, I've some work to do. Let's say uh, an hour from now, nine o'clock, huh? Walter Pidgeon as Abraham Lincoln in Remember Day on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. As the second part of our story opens, President Lincoln is working on a draft of the speech he is to make the next day as someone knocks at the door of his room. Come in. Ah, news, Mr. Nicolay? A telegram from Mr. Stanton. Any news about Grant? He's starting battle at Chattanooga. Burnside still seems safe at Knoxville. When was the message sent? Uh, just about an hour ago. It's eight o'clock. Uh, does he say anything about Tad? Here it is, sir. Uh, on inquiry, the doctor informs me that your son is better this evening. Uh, thank you, Mr. Nicolay. Will you be coming down, sir? I've still some writing to do. Where are you off to? Well, I thought I'd join Hay and the others for a bit. Serenade's beginning. <laughs> so I hear. Good night, Mr. Nicolay.
glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy works appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Come in. Ah, Miss Elizabeth, please come in. Oh, Mr. President, this is Captain Daniel Carter. Captain Carter, I'm quite glad to see you. Thank you, sir. Come, take chairs, both of you. Oh, here, Daniel, you sit here. Captain, I'm sure grateful to you for coming to see me. Is there something you want to talk about, sir? Oh, much, Captain. But I, uh, I shan't impose upon you. I'm, I'm not quite the bad man hot from the pit. Uh, what command were you with? Sixth North Carolina, sir. Hoax Brigade, Early Division. Old Jubal Early, eh? First great general. But nothing like Jackson, sir. He was our best. He was one of our country's best. His death was probably great news to you. Great news? No, Captain. It wasn't. Sir, I didn't come here to have anyone mock me. Oh, Daniel, please. Wait. Captain, you think I mocked you. Why? Well, sir. Captain, we are both deeply troubled men. But there would be no gain for either of us in mockery or bitterness or in a false joy at the time of the death of a man, any man who was an American, whether the color of his uniform was blue or gray. What do you say, Captain? I, I don't know, sir. All I know is that when they brought me in from the field, I lay in darkness for three months. And in those three months, I did a lot of thinking, sir. I thought about the men in my company, my friends. Yes, and I thought about the Yankees, too, buried out there with the men I knew. And did you reach a conclusion, Captain? No. No, sir. All I could think of was, why? What for? I've walked in darkness for three years, searching an answer to those same questions. Why? What for? And I was not lacking for answers. Men came to me from every state, from foreign countries. They brought me advice and answers. I was like that fellow on the frontier who was lost one night in a most wild place. A terrific thunderstorm came up. The lightning gave him the only clue to his way out. But the thunder was frightful. One bolt, which seemed to crash the earth right beneath him, brought him to his knees. By no means a praying man, his petition was shortened to the point. Oh, Lord, if it's all the same to you, give us a little more light and a little less noise. Captain, I'm still seeking more light. Sir, I have no light to give. But there must be certain things in this world that are right for every man. And certain things that are dead wrong. There must be. Yes, Captain, that I can answer. Greed, intolerance, hatred. Those are great wrongs. No matter the outcome of this war, if this country is to exist, if the world is to exist, then understanding and tolerance and brotherhood must become and remain a great right. Those are words, sir. Fine words. And I believe them. And will you dare to speak them tomorrow? Oh, Daniel, please. Will you dare to speak them tomorrow? To those who'll be expecting glory and all the fine things that come with it? I have it in my mind, too. To whom would you speak? To all who would listen. But there'll be many who will refuse. There'll be thousands on that field who would listen if they could. But they are dead. Yours and ours. And they won't be here, no matter what you say. I know, Captain. I know. 
so. I don't know how you're going to say it tomorrow. But those who are living, make them understand and see. Make them understand so that these Americans won't have died in vain. Captain Carter, for the best poor words I can muster, I will speak to all who will listen. Captain Carter. Why, sure. Well, then he did come to the dedication after all. Sure. He's over on that mound, see? Oh, yes, uh, Wait here, Daisy. But Liz, he said he didn't want anybody around him. Liz! dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Miss Elizabeth, Captain Carter... for the men who fell there. Thank you, Captain. Mr. President, my soldiering days are over. I mean the kind of soldiering that made me this way. But I'm enlisting again, sir. Enlisting? Yes, sir. Those words you spoke, they're a banner for all of us, whether northern or southern, for the years when this war is over. And I'm joining under that banner, sir, and serving for a life spell. Thank you, Captain. I'm afraid it's a poor, small force that you're joining. But... It will grow into a great army one day, sir. And I want to go home to recruit for it. I see. Has Mr. Nicolay given you the pass? He has. And I'm deeply grateful to you, sir. But I'd, I'd like to ask one more favor, Mr. President. Could you see your way clear to write just three words on that pass? Go on, Captain. Well, sir, just after you say Captain Carter, would you add, and Mrs. Carter? Yes, I could do that, Captain. Does he speak for you, Miss Elizabeth? Oh, yes, Mr. President. I shall never forget this day. Child, sending you two off is the only thing today that has made me forget my condition or given me any pleasure. Die when I may. I want it said of me by those who knew me best that I plucked a thistle and planted a flower where I thought a flower would grow.
Anderson will return to our cavalcade microphone in a moment. Now, here is Gaines Whitman. According to the National Safety Council, 355,000 deaths from accident in the scant four years between Pearl Harbor and B.J. Day. 100,000 more deaths here at home than there were on the battlefields. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But it's true. Carelessness is a worse destroyer than the most destructive war in our history. And where do these accidents happen? The most dangerous place is your own home. Sixteen million persons were injured at home during the war years. How? That's a worthwhile question. For if you know how accidents occur in the home, you can take precautions against them. And the answer is largely from fires and from falls. Injuries from fire, reported daily in the newspapers, are caused by such things as children playing with matches, starting a furnace with kerosene or gasoline, forgetting to adjust a screen around a fireplace, smoking, using worn-out electrical cords and plugs. How do people injure themselves in falls? By slipping in a bathtub or on a wet bathroom floor or by slipping on icy walks and porch steps, by skidding on a rug, especially a rug at the head of the stairs. In this connection, the DuPont Company for many years has manufactured rug anchor, rug underlay, and it's back on the market. A synthetic sponge rubber, non-skid underlay, which fits under a rug or carpet and prevents just this type of fall that is so common and so dangerous. Not only are accidents in the home increasing, but traffic accidents are at an all-time high in spite of the fact that fewer cars are on the road. The tragedy is that almost all of these so-called accidents are unnecessary. All we need to do is use a little care. Industry proves it daily. In its safety record, the DuPont Company is a leader among American industrial companies. And we find in our experience that carefulness prevents fires and safeguards against personal injuries. Be careful and you'll be safe. That simple rule can be as effective in your own home as it is in the safe plant in which DuPont men and women make the DuPont companies better things for better living through chemistry. Now here is our star, Walter Pitcher. Thank you. It's a great pleasure having you with us tonight, Walter. Doubly so because of your splendid performance. Thanks, Wayne. The pleasure was mine. History has always interested me, but I don't remember ever having known what the inspiration was for Lincoln's magnificent Gettysburg Address. John's socks and lightning story was new to me, and, and I like to learn new things. In that case, Walter, you'll be interested in next week's Cavalcade story. How's that? Well, it's a story based on a little-known incident in the life of another of our great friends. Oh, yes, a very good friend of mine was telling me about it, a fellow by the name of Gregory Peck, who, uh, I believe he's the star in the story. Correct. He's played a title role in Young Major Washington. Incidentally, have you ever worked with Gregory Peck? No, not yet. You mean to say he isn't in Weekend at the Waldorf? <laughs> no, he isn't, Wayne. Although the uh, picture is full of stars... Including you, Mr. Pigeon. Yes, I managed to squeeze into Waldo for a weekend. Uh, well, together I'm, with... Uh, I'm sorry, Walter, but we have just so much time on the air, and what little we have left would allow for a full roll call of stars in Weekend at the Waldorf. Well, uh, will I have time to say goodnight? Oh, yeah, sure. You'll have time to say goodnight. Very well. Good night. <laughs>
Boy Scout Week. While statesmen of the world work for permanent peace, the Boy Scouts make their own contributions to understanding among all peoples. Without any fanfare, our American Scouts, through their World Friendship Fund, are helping their comrades in war-devastated countries. We salute the Boy Scouts and their theme, Scouts of the World, Building Together. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. A cavalcade play was written by John Sox and Milton Wayne. In tonight's cast with Mr. Pigeon were Sammy Hill, Alan Hewitt, Jay Novello, Georgia Backus, Griff Barnett, Henry Blair, Tommy Bernard, and David Ellis. This is Tom Collins inviting you to listen next week to Gregory Peck in Young Major Washington on the Cavalcade of America, brought to you by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.